I actually did get up quite early today. It was about uh, one in the afternoon. <laughs> nice. Well, you're up now, so, you know, it works yes. out on the other end. Uh, yes. I did prepare beverages. Oh, crap, beverages. I will be right back. Like, <laughs> I'm a professional podcast, I promise you. Uh, uh, you got the tropical mug again? The only time I have a beverage in here is if I'm doing, like, a podcast or an interview. Other than that, mm. it's always just a water bottle. So I'm always, like, I, I'll be fancy and have some kind of receptacle that isn't a water bottle. Oh, yeah. Well, last time I was doing this, um, uh, we started around 6 o'clock in the evening for me. And we went for, like, four and a half hours. So I just, got a pull, I just got a pizza delivered in the middle of it. Nice. Nice. Well... I'm going to make crunchy noises then if we're not actually started yet. Awesome. <laughs> I'm just going to get back into crunch. I am recording this, by the way. And you know how we're going to start this podcast. Yeah, with some Heath Miller ASMR. Absolutely. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> and we I can't hear your stomach. Hopefully you can see the cheese and crackers. Yeah. As, yeah. I as I masticate. Furiously. <clears throat> Furiously. Uh, well, someone, someone pointed out uh, in the bad comments, uh, inexorably. Mm. <laughs> nice. <Nuts. All> right. <clears throat> okay, so let me just pull these up a little bit more. This is the first time mm. I'm ever doing something, anything structured. So if it doesn't seem like it's structured, that's by design. I'm doing it up first. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. When's the section where we talk about how mean you were to me on this podcast? We can we can do that right at the beginning. I'm so sorry. It's my it's my defense mechanism against authority. No, you, you, you hate full stops. Y yes, yes. Okay, so let's okay, so let's start start with this. Right. Try, this try, is reading. Reading. try, try reading something where somebody has no paragraph breaks, no full stops. And then see how much oh, you. Oh no no no! It's it's it is not that. It is not that. Okay. Oh so yes, yeah, no. It's some, it's it's some bollocks young person internet etiquette. But no, no. You can't replace because... whole words with just one letter unless they were meant to be one letter in the first place. I'm old. I'm cranky, and, and I'm just gonna die on this hill. So like, let me let me just read this out. I'm like, morning, Travis! Exclamation mark. Link. Here are the questions. Smiley face. Feel free to tag any that you want slash don't want to answer. Thanks. <laughs> Come on, I'll take a look. Like, this is how I know it reads to me. What? It's... It's, it's efficient and effective. <laughs> Your lack of doggo emojis is... Oh! is uh... See, this, this is actually something that annoys me, and I know other writers... Uh, in my age group, at the very least, who also get annoyed by it. And that is people being imprecise in the way they communicate. Like, my mum is shocking for this. Um, you know, she will not say what she means, but she'll expect you to determine what she means from uh, what she says. The problem is she's surrounded by people who are the exact same way she is, um, uh, so they'll all have this sort of, you know, weird, you know, alternative communication system where things 
don't mean other things. It's it's almost symbology where you've got to, uh, sort of you know, work with variables. Uh, and, and, then, and then I'll go visit mum and I'll react to the things she says as if that's what she meant. And then we get cranky at each other. Yeah, that's the first mistake. I don't think that's a unique experience to me. I think that's very common with people I dealing think- with their parents, especially, you know, when you don't see them that often. Like, you know, I talk to my no. mom a lot, but we only see each other a few times a year now. There's a there's a German meme about that. Yes, Germans have memes. Um, where it's, um, hey, dad and mom, I want to come over tomorrow afternoon. How's it look like? Smiley face. And mom is like, hi, heart emoji, heart emoji, heart emoji. Looking forward to it. Winky emoji, heart emoji, starry emoji. Uh, and dad's like, tomorrow, two o'clock. I don't know. Maybe when the emoji movie came out, we should have just just started rounding people up into camps. I don't know. As a as a German, I cannot condone this. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You're right. Um, I guess the German just, community frowns upon your shenanigans. You know, I, I guess I just have to be team medial. Team what? Team medial. Team you know, medial. A meteor or asteroid. I don't know the correct you know, terminology on that astrophysicist, but a very large rock hitting the earth and wiping out humanity. Look at you, Sephiroth. (laughs) (laughs) You walked into that one. Okay. All my stuff is here, though, Travis. What's that? I said all my stuff is here. So I prefer prefer we didn't have a meteor-based Armageddon. And indeed, you know, people animals when, when you're books. on team media, you have to be willing to take one for the team <laughs> I, I i enjoy emojis and gifs and i like shifting into different forms of communication some you know some people like you use a lot of emojis and gifs and other people you don't at all and uh, the parent no. thing is very real it's it's a it's a different uh yeah thing to negotiate like but emojis and gifs memes they're all very fine you know what's better correct punctuation I think that they could all exist and, and happily together. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, at, I'm at the age where I'm using the phrase "the youth" more and more. So, I love it. Like myself and, and a, my best friend, who's who's a narrator, like an upside down smiley face says what we need to say. We yes. we know what it means, and so it's a perfect shorthand for our textual communication. Uh, you know, like uh, it's and there's a lot yeah. like that. Where I wouldn't necessarily yeah. use it with someone else, but like we have developed our own, uh, very much like this is our how we're using the emojis as code, and so we know what we're saying, and it's great. I love that kind of pictorial uh, communication, but again, it, it obviously leaves room for um, <laughs> for misunderstanding and uh, frustration. Yeah, on who obviously, you're, you're also using the right emoji. As an Australian, yeah, no. you have to use the upside down ones. Oh, that is that is that is weak team. I, can't, that I is can't remember. Do, I can't remember. Do that we have to laugh at the upside down jokes? I can't. Was that <laughs> no, we don't. no, no? We treat them with disdain. Yeah, disdain. I, disdain. Because you have to frown. Because if you frown, then it's upside. You know, that's how it works. I'm not gonna stop. You can't win. 
I mean, we can not talk, and then it's going to be a very slow podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, there's a very obvious solution to, to, to talking about your podcast, my man. You should be careful. Hey, and just, welcome, everyone, I, to the Quit IPG podcast. I, I, in terms of, like, in terms of uh, aggressively boring, tired Australian jokes, the upside-down one has got to be, it's got to be up on the board. It's got to be up in like yep. the top five. I, I love yeah. I love a good joke at the expense of like a nation or, or a people, uh, but like I just feel like it's got to be something uh, with a little more specificity than yeah, and, the upside and, down. And one. something that actually you know matters to us at all. It's like wow, we're on a different side of the planet to making people making jokes about us. Like the degree to which we do not care. <laughs> True. Do you, see so. the, do you see the West Wing episode where they, they show like different maps of how we could actually show the world map, oh, depending yeah. on just your perspective? Yeah. Oh, God. It's a good one. Yeah. Pretty good yeah. one. There's two of us versus uh, there's two Australians. This is this is rare for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is that, nice. that someone else can can give like blank face to a down under joke. Usually it's just, <laughs> just me. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Dollary dudes—that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I, I think we're due another Ocker, aren't we? Because we had Paul Hogan, uh, and then he just stopped making movies that were worth a goddamn. And then we had Steve Irwin, and um, he got killed by an animal they use in like touch pools for some reason. Um, um, although he was quite awesome. Um, I, I think we'd do another one, right? I mean, we I got you. I'm not that awkward. I, I feel well, like we, now, we, I feel like now we, it's probably yeah, like we, Aussie bloke reviews or something on YouTube or, or uh, TikTok. Yeah, you know, Aussie like man that. reviews, that guy. Yeah. Mate, we could, we could get a lady in this time. You know, hmm. some, some, you know uh, some woman on a boat named Cheryl. That works. Are you drinking milk? Oh. Uh, there's milk in it, oh, along nice. with like white chocolate liqueur and butterscotch schnapps, and some Kahlua and some Bailey. Lovely. It's not bad. Sounds good. Mm. All right. Hi, and welcome, everyone, to the Good Energy oh, Podcast. The only podcast where I'm surrounded by daylight drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's two. It's like two to o'clock in the morning, guy. Exactly. It's in the morning. Yeah. All right, no, let me start, start again. Uh, Any, anything anything this. could be in this. I haven't specified that it's alcohol. Yeah, no, welcome to the Crit RPG podcast. <laughs> Woo. Hey. That's like my second right. word. Second. And I've already had like one of these. Damn. I've got a whole joke. It's the Baileys. Okay, hi, and welcome to the Crit RPG podcast, everyone. The only podcast, well, where the host <laughs> makes stupid puns about Australia and then gets laughed at for it. Um, <laughs> With me today are both Heath Muller and Travis Devarrell. You might know them for their work on Indeed, He Who Fights with Monsters. Book 10 is coming out, well, soon as of the release of this podcast. And we thought we would get together and talk about it. I don't think we we, we really laughed at you, though. I think we more just looked at you (laughs) blankly in disdain. Let's be be clear. In case case, uh, people don't have that bonus content. I would very much like to underline the fact that they did not like my joke. They did not. <laughs> they laughed at me, not with me. That was definitely not the case. Yes. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, and it wasn't even like hideously bad. 
it was just it's just it's just fine kind of sad. it's i mean it's 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 fine i mean people need to get some more material that doesn't come from like a 30 year old simpsons episode so moving on to the user questions, um, <laughs> we asked you guys on Reddit, we asked you guys on Discord, on both Travis's Discord, Heath's Discord, and the Aethon Discord um, for your questions. And we got quite a few of them. Um, your readers are ravenous for answers. And I thought we might just go through some of those and kind of, well, yeah, you just riff off and I'm going to read the question and then I'd let it talk. But um, we also have like one little fun game planned. Uh, Heath and I are going to launch an attack on you, Travis, and you're going to love it. Um, oh, yeah. And that, 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 that's normally how I react to attacks. I was going to say, Absolutely. I wasn't consulted on aggression or attack formations. This is how Germans do jokes. I see. <laughs> yeah, I, I can also make fun of Germany. It's fine. Um, all right. So why don't we start with the first question that's then going to lead us into the bigger cosmos of our first little game. So this one is by Grimal, and he asked, Sure, do you ever listen to the audiobooks? If so, does listening to them affect the way you see any of your characters? Do you ever get feedback or direction to shape the audio for a given character? Uh, okay, so no, I, I don't read the audiobooks um, for a few reasons. Um, one being exactly what I said, I don't want to be influenced. Like, um, oh, Heath was just on your podcast and he talked about the idea of, um, you know, a performance being just that it's a performance. This is Heath Miller's performance of he who fights with monsters, not sort of the definitive edition. Um, and people love his performance, um, which yeah, they really do, but I've only really heard clips. Uh, because for one thing, I'm not an audio guy. I'm a written word guy. And I think that's probably true for a lot of writers. Um, but he also like discussed how we found Heath. And Heath was pretty much on the money. They sent me a bunch of um, samples. And, <clears throat> and there were people who were very great, except then they just hit that one word that just goes clang. Oh, that's not an Australian. <laughs> And uh, and so they went back and they sent me just Heath's uh, sample and right away I was just like, that's the guy. Like he was just perfect right out of the box. I didn't find out about his, um, you know, uh, career on iconic children's uh, Australian children's television until uh, much later, at which point I didn't stop talking about it for like a year. Uh, but um, It's a... <clears throat> but yeah, so I don't read the audiobook. I uh, listen to the audiobooks. Um, part, yeah, partly it's because uh, I'm just a written word guy. I want um, I want my own voice in my head. I think that's part of um, part of the experience of reading versus listening is you know generating that world in your own head. And you know I don't want um, to start. Um, running a, an adaptation in my own brain. Because, <laughs> um, yeah. And the other thing is, if I started listening to the audiobooks, I suspect I would start giving Heath no <laughs> notes. And I don't want to do that because Heath is great. Like, I do I've, – I've started sending him more and more notes, but it's always things like these are the characters that are important. Like, for example, with Neil – 
Neil popped up as henchman number two. Yeah. One. And then, you know, like a a book or two later, all of a sudden he's a major character and and he's stuck with whatever random voice he picked for henchman number two. And you're like... Uh, I don't remember exactly the notes I sent for book 10, but um, what I try to do is I'll try to send these are the important characters and if I feel like something needs to be done, rather than saying he should sound like this or she will sound like this, should sound like this, I'll try and encapsulate sort of the the core traits of the character and then let the professional um, figure out how that should sound. It's great because you you give story notes and character notes, yes. uh, which is rather than performance notes, which is perfect. Uh, it's great to have that heads up of hey, this guy's going to be in it later on, and, and this is how yeah. you know maybe this is a, a something about how I see them because that shapes the performance. That's brilliant, uh, as opposed yeah. to yeah, no no disrespect. Uh, if if an author is like this guy sounds like this actor or this character, mm-hmm. I imagined you know, like this other character from a TV show or, or a film or, or can they have a, a, you know, an Essex accent, that kind of level of specificity. Yeah. Like that's a choice, but uh, it's nice to have, it's great to have story notes and character notes. I always appreciate those. Of uh, course, you don't point out the up. ones where like, there's other ones where I'll get the list you've started doing now, which is great, which is like, <laughs> yeah. these are the characters that are going to go on and be important. And then that doesn't mean that other characters won't go on and be important because you know you haven't, you haven't, you haven't written it yet, so it's gonna it's gonna unfold organically. I have yeah. a question. Yeah, sometimes I got one more question. Character who's um, let you know who, who I like and wasn't intended to be that important, then I'll start putting them in more, which is um, great. Yeah, Keith, do you actually like read up on the Patreon on Japanese Patreon? Do I read ahead? Mm-hmm. Uh, not in depth. I look at things occasionally, um, mm-hmm. but I don't like, I'm not like reading every chapter as it goes up. Uh, you know, like I'll read the manuscript when I get it from, from podium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I see discussion about things. So I always know kind of plot points, you know, that have been, uh, not just, you know, if, if, uh, Travis tells me something, but like, if there's discussion kind of, I'm tangentially aware of community discussion about what is happening. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, no, I don't actually like read, you know, line for line as it happens. I wait until I get the the manuscript and then go through it. And then, do you read it the entire thing and then do it again? Or yeah, I, I read the like... whole thing before I. Bef- mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. like I, I go through the whole book and and then that I was prep. That was another question. Mm-hmm. Was it? Yeah, actually, that that's a question mm-hmm. that gets asked quite a lot. I'd say that the mm-hmm. um, other than what are your essences? Specific- <laughs> well, what are your essences? Specifically, Come on. to hear your fights with monsters, I would say the um. The equivalent, the equivalent of that for an audiobook narrator is probably, do you read the book before you record it? That's probably the the mm. most common question after how do I become an audiobook narrator? <laughs> uh, and so, okay, what are you guys' essences so we have that settled? What was that? Uh-huh. What are you guys' essences so we have that settled? I don't know. We've answered, <laughs> we've answered this like 40 times That's already. That's my fault. What Sorry. We, what do we normally go with? Uh, uh, I'm going to go with I a new know. one. Okay. Beverage essence. Ooh. Come on, we, we, surely. Yes. Is that a confluence or is that like a normal? <laughs> yeah, Travis, no, no, Travis yeah. can explain that. I just, I just have to read it. White chocolate liqueur plus butterscotch schnapps plus Bailey's equals delicious. <laughs> oh my god, I, I do feel like the cocktail would be a confluence for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Mm. I, but uh, people will probably lynch me. So Travis, you got to go. You got to say. What's that? No, no. My my usual answer is probably something along the lines of it depends on the day. Oh, okay. Like, um, when I'm working on, you know, a new character that's going to be important, if I'm going to, you know, sort of focus on what their powers are, um, I'll sort of work with their um, essences to... Because with essences, rather than their specific abilities... I'm a lot more interested in how those specific abilities impact them as a character. Like how do those, mm. how do their powers represent <clears throat> who they are? Um, that's not to say I don't come up with some, um, you know, power set that sort of fascinates me. Um, but, you know, it's more about knowing what they can do and how that represents who they are. Mm. Um, Cause at this point I'm not looking to, I say, here's a new character. Here's like the 20 powers that they have. <laughs> it's bad enough that I've got this many major characters and, um, and you know, anytime they rank up or they've been away for a while, all of a sudden yeah. it's time for um, oh, no. <clears throat> Heath to get, um, pull out the robot voice. <laughs> and I wanted about, about, to ask about that because someone actually asked a very good question. <laughs> I'll see if I can find the, pers- the name while you're answering it. Um, and that is, so with knowing that you are now have an audiobook, did that somehow change how no. you wrote the story? Okay. Not at all. Well, um, that doesn't give me much time not. to look at the I, name. I write a story and Heath has to put up with whatever I send him. Um, there has been a lot less of the sort of system elements in there. They pop, they pop up as I feel they're, they're useful. Um, uh, but just the way it's worked out, like um, this current arc, which is um, sort of five books long, I guess. Um, Can we spoiler? No, we aren't. Okay, good. <clears throat> yeah, but basically it's been about Jason's um, sort of growth in a certain area that's not directly tied to the numbers. So, it's um, so, so while those while the numbers haven't gone up, the cardinal sin of lit RPG. I noticed uh, that. Yeah. Um, he's gotten a lot more powerful in, I guess, mm. a more epic fantasy kind of way. And mm. where I'm at, I'm currently writing the end of book 11, is sort of culminating that. And then it'll be moving back towards um, numbers go up. Um, I was, you know, when I was originally outlining this, what I'm doing now was going to be somewhere around the end of book nine. This isn't like basically <laughs> to the end of book nine. Um, yeah, I'm not always as succinct as I would like um, in, you know, no small part because I just love spending time with the characters. And mm. a lot of that sort of extra expansion is just characters, um, you know, hanging out, maybe dropping in some exposition as smoothly as I can while, while they're chatting. But, um, yeah, so- uh, yeah and, cause that's a uh, part of it. If, if I go too long without the characters, just, you know, hanging out, having some banter, um, you know, a little, you know, just a, a little bit of slice of life between adventures, um, readers start asking why not. And I think that's I have two a- questions. Okay. I got two questions. 
Um, so the first one was actually Keith. You wanted to say something. Oh, I was just going to say for me, um, uh, Travis. Now it's a treat. I think because it has reduced in frequency so much that now when I'm doing my prep and I get to like a bit of the um, system, I, I like it's 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 nice. I'm like ah, it's like an old friend. I can say like, uh, you know, uh, yeah. It, it's kind of uh, because you know, it, it, obviously, as you say now, consciously, it is much mm. less than it has been in some. Yeah, it depends. It comes yeah. and goes in, in different books. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so I, I see like the system text and I'm like, ah, it's like an old friend. I can say. Uh, well, wait for everyone to rank up to gold because. <laughs> oh, yeah, you mentioned that. You mentioned that. that. Yeah. The old friend showed up and he won't go away. <laughs> I didn't mention that, actually. You were like, oh, spoilers, but I wasn't talking what? about. It was just a, when we did the podcast and I said like, oh, uh, yeah. gold something, gold something. And you were like, spoilers. And I went, yeah, I was just giving an example. I was like, oh, okay, because I, I was... wasn't like secret, like knowledge from some yeah. book that hasn't been uh, written yet. <laughs> I was like, like wow, he got, he got to gold that fast. Wow. <laughs> it was a bit of time skip. But someone, someone actually asked me about this specifically on the on the Discord, and I said, uh, "Yeah, no, the book's going to end at like book seventeen, like right before Jason gets to gold rank." <laughs> nice. And, and and most people were like, "Yeah, no, he's just trolling," because you know yeah. if he does that, other people were like, "What? That's terrible pacing." Actually, now people <laughs> ask me on Reddit, like one of the questions on the re on Reddit was like, "So I heard that the that the book." ends with jason at gold rank uh <laughs> will you please give us a book like a booklet <laughs> yeah that then explains how it's like okay i don't okay. i'm not gonna ask you how the book's going to end in any way shape or form because i wouldn't want to be asked as a writer but from your reaction i think i can tell that yeah. it's not gonna be no. gold rank so let me tell you a dragon con story okay cool so um i went to dragon con for the first time uh this year and I was expecting to hate it, actually, you know, all the people and whatnot. Had a fantastic time going back next year, but um, I only had really time for one panel. Uh, and I sat next to Travis Baldry, who I, um, you know, gave a little harsher time than maybe I should have. But I drove, uh, I but... drove him to his hotel yesterday, day before, <laughs> here, here, in, here in Portland, Maine. I, I went to his reading and then drove him back to his hotel. He's a oh, good well, guy. Because you know he was in the let RPG space before I was, <laughs> so he didn't. But um, they had a Q and A section at the end, and some guy shows up with his adorable kid, and his kid asks this question: "Is Jason ever going to get to diamond rank?" And I'm like, "Oh, come on, guy! Like you got the most adorable child in the world. You're making him ask spoiler questions." <laughs> Weaponizing children. Oh my god. Oh my god. Like, you know, how, how do I answer spoiler questions on a panel that's being recorded? And yeah. Uh, yeah. It, which was more or less my answer. It was like, wow, what the hell, guy? What did you yeah, say? Yeah, what did you say? Pretty much exactly what I just said there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't get your child to ask me. It's not fair. No, that, that checks out. Yeah. And then a child looked at you like this. Like, because yeah, it was like, okay, how do I tell a child to sod off? and remain any shred of likability. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's a needle to thread. The funny thing Come is... Come on, the funny, you're, you're nicer than this. The odd thing is that people don't want... People don't want the answer to that question. It's so strange. No. There's so many questions that people ask they don't want the answer to. You, you, that, that's not... No, yeah. like, no one's actually well, wins they, they, from they, that. They didn't get it. 
No, that was just me sort of vamping. It's like, oh no, no, definitely can't. I have I have one more question that's that's like also very very uncomfortable. Actually, mm-hmm. something that interested me from a writer perspective. Because... Oh, um, about the size of an eggplant. And exactly. The shape. And exactly. And also because we're talking about emojis and eggplants, yeah, it makes complete sense. Um, oh God! I, I, open, I opened the door. I yeah. opened the door. You invited me straight in, Mr. Deverell. Um, <laughs> the question is actually, it's even harsher. You, you have a lot of recaps in your books. And I have, re- I have read people like, well, like, hey, why are there so many recaps even in the, yeah. in the finished books? So can we talk about that? Mm. Um, a lot of that was sort of influence from outside people. Like I'll get... And editors notice, but like at the start of the books, tend to get the most editing because there'll be. I write them serially, um, especially at the start. Like now, I think of them more in terms of book structure because they've been released as books uh, for so long. But certainly, the earlier stuff was like planned and written as serial fiction. It was just me in my box of shorts in my bedroom. No idea that anyone was going to pay any attention to this whatsoever, um, which is why the the endings of the first few books are, you know, a bit oddly placed. They're just sort of the best I could pick out from roughly the length I was looking for. Now the endings um, are a bit more planned. But, um, and some of that is... Um, I'll be bringing up a topic that hasn't been talked about in four books. Like even one book, it's been, you know, months at least since someone has come along and read or listened to that book. Uh, but uh, I do agree that I uh, I got reached the point of overdoing it because, like, I've got, you know, people who read early drafts and stuff. Like I've got this friend who looks at all my chapters and uh, I, I shouldn't badmouth him on a podcast, but I'm 100% going to. Hi, Chris. Um, and that guy has a goldfish brain. Um, like he will, and and as soon as he doesn't remember something, he'll stop and ask, like mid-sentence. I've, I've, I've got notes from him where he has a question that is an- in the middle of a sentence that is answered in the back half of the sentence. Oh. But uh, but he's not the only one who said, I don't remember this thing, you know, a recap would be nice. Uh, but I did go too far with that. And so especially starting with like book 10, I've been trying to bring that back a bit. Um, also book 10, I think is the first one where I've just got a straight up recap at the start. We'll have a recap of, uh, of book nine. But it's funny because I was, and- was going to say that I didn't, interestingly enough, uh, I don't want to argue with with you, but I'd never thought that you recapped too much or or not enough. Oh, I've definitely read all the books. Up. I promise, like I've read them all. <laughs> there is you can you can empirically prove that I have read all the books, and and like at no point was I kind of like, oh, we're going over this again too much, or hey, I I forget. Like I, I kind of I don't know. I, maybe it's a younger listener thing. Maybe I don't know. But like I it didn't it certainly didn't bother me. It's, it happens when you listen to all of them back to back, 
right? Because yeah. there's there's a gap between you reading book like yeah, seven and you, eight and so on. Right, so on. right, right. Yeah, yeah. Which of course the whole story. Yeah, but but to me that's that's the argument of like saying what what if you're watching a TV show and it goes you know previously on Lost or something like so what like yeah. it, it's from it was originally on every week or you know so deal with it. <laughs> Travis, you mentioned that you didn't listen to the audiobooks and that actually uh, got me to an idea. And we mm. are now going to enact this idea. And the idea is basically this. So, Oh, is this the attack you were talking about? Yes. Oh, yes, I didn't. Is, right. This is, is going to make me look so bad. <laughs> Travis, when, when I get interviewed, I have to tell people, and I never want to speak for you. So people say like, oh, you know, um, you know does Travis talk about? And I say, I don't. I always say, like, I don't think he, he listens to the books. I don't know. Like, I, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I wouldn't if I was writing them. But I'm not going to usually say that, like, <laughs> you know, as in, like, if I was the author, I might listen to other audiobooks, But, like, I probably – I know a lot of authors, you know, like uh, – and a lot of them don't listen to their own books, even if they like audiobooks, for the reasons that you articulated. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah. people always kind of assume that you do. So I often have to, like, cut off whole conversational arcs where I'm like, yeah. I don't think, man. Like, yeah, so uh... – <laughs> I'll just I'll just listen. Oh. <laughs> the whole thing. I'll just listen to all the audiobooks. I'll just take like reams of notes and I'll send them all to the public. Don't please don't do that. I, I but, like Vesper as a character. What was the process there? Did you just go back and listen to what you did? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and that's what I always do. I never feel like. I'm absolutely 100% married to, oh, uh, you know, like it has to sound exactly like, because the thing with audiobooks is that um, often a character's sound will change a bit. But in the same way as, as you're, I look at it in the same way as, as you're writing it, Travis, or as an author is writing, their characterization changes as they go. Not not in a way that, yeah. that, that represents failure. It's just the way it yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah, and so I kind of feel the same way in that, like, they might sound a little different in book one than when they come back. Uh, you know, I, I'm yeah. not saying that, like, in book one they're like, hello, mate, how you doing? And then in, in book four they come in and they're like, my name is Vesper. You know, like, we're, we're, we're trying to keep them vaguely in the same uh, the same neighborhood. Uh, but certainly, like, uh, certainly they, they evolve. And also characters, like, can change their uh, their they change as in the character changes. And so sometimes that can be reflected in, in the character voice, like to an extent. Uh, do you, do you have a, I mean, like, like Humphrey's uh, changed think... a lot, I think because he's changed, he got more confident mm -hmm. and kind of more in, into secure in himself and less of like whatever mummy yeah. tells me. And I feel like that changes oh, the way yeah. he sounds a bit. Now I, I saw Heath like doing these massively two different versions of the character. And I absolutely want to start doing that with characters now. Just have them massively change <laughs> well i was uh, you 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 said a bit from the podcast i did um that you must have listened to which i'm, I'm flattered uh, that you listen that you listen to any of it uh but one of the things i was saying was that i love like i enjoy the fact that like you don't give a ton of like vocal description because it's often mm. overused, especially as I was saying in the podcast in like romance as well. Like, but, but also in fantasy where everyone's always like, yeah, it's, it's different if it's how they're feeling, but if it's when it's that thing where it's like in their, you know, in their like rock voice or whatever, you know, like it, it's, it's kind of, uh, some is always good, but like, it's nice to have some flexibility as well. Uh, I just did a book recently where everyone, I, I swear everyone is, everyone. Also the male character. 
you're very gravelly. I'm also very gravelly. It's excellent. Isn't it? Everyone's yeah. everyone's growling and groaning all the times. Yeah, yeah. You sound like a little boy, I, so I, I started taking, smoking cigarettes until I sounded like this. I, I have very bad. I'm dying quite soon. Oh, I've I've done for other books, uh, Travis. Like I've had things like her voice sounded like a bell intoning in a deep well, and things stuff where you're like, <laughs> you, you get that fantasy stuff where you're like, whoa, okay. Oh. You know what? It's actually going to sound like me. It's going to sound like a guy in a box because that's that's what you, that's what you're getting. Well, that's where you need to innovate. Like if you put a pot over your head while you did that voice, people ask that stuff all the time. They're like, "How come you're not using sound effects or?" And you're like, "It's because it's a slippery slope, man. Like it's if you start using yeah. vocal effects for one character, like are we also then putting in the sound of the brook babbling in the background? And like, are we? Yeah, it's it's uh." Yeah, so your, your own audio FX studio. Yeah. There, there are very large studios with like all those incredible sound banks and all that stuff, and they go out and they make those noises, and it takes tons of people and thousands of hours to build up those audio things. The idea of, um, of putting that together for an audio book is nuts, and if you yeah. want to hire one of those groups, it's like crazy expensive because you're paying a bunch of people for a bunch of time and a bunch of work and a bunch of assets. Yeah, totally. Um, and all, all, all of a sudden, audio books all cost seven hundred dollars. Okay, so we like gotta, gotta get this done. Okay, because yeah. as we said, structured podcast. I feel like I edged you here, but we should do one. Like, yeah, I feel like I, I, I should feel, do some voice I feel, that I that I remember. I feel too. I got, I got, I got two, and I think they're kind of easy. And you know, they don't have to answer in, in the voice, but I think Travis might just actually just ask, ask like. Five <laughs> oh, well, you ask a different question. Ask a different question. I'll, I'll, how about this? Instead of uh, this, you ask a question, Travis. Two questions, and I'll answer it in two different characters. All right. Okay. How angry would you be if Jason manipulated you into using a pogo stick? A pogo stick. I mean. It depends. What exactly am I doing with it? I'd probably be pretty angry. Okay, Travis. Oh, I have no oh. idea. I like, see. I love no that. Idea. That's great. I adore that. That that yes. pleases me. Yes, see? in my heart. Okay. You, you, no, we're not. Okay, we're, so we're not we're, and we're not telling him. You just have to go. You're not telling him. No, no, no. Oh, oh no, when, no. When, of when the podcast airs, you know, then you can read it in the comments. Am I gonna no, 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 no. Travis, you should go and like buy audiobooks. Am I going to go get an audio audible account so I can figure? <laughs> Ask another question. Ask another question. I'll give you an. I'll give you one that yeah. I reckon maybe you'll get. Maybe I don't know. Or not. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. Oh. Mm. I know. Uh, to what degree do you get annoyed at Jason constantly disrespecting deities? I mean, personally, I don't really give a shit about gods that much. I mean, except for my own god, maybe, depending on the day. Doesn't really bother me. Oh. Mm. I feel like you might know uh, that one. I mean, that, that. (laughs) See, I would love it if you guessed, like, a henchman who was in, like, one book that I've completely forgotten about. (laughs) But I presume you've also forgotten about them, Travis. It's fine. That's very clearly Google, the guy who <laughs> kept hitting Jackson with a shovel yes. in book one. Oh, do oh, I remember yeah. what Dougal sounded like? Oh, my God, no. That's so long oh, ago. Oh, my God. No, I don't. Because oh, I was looking through the list of questions, and one of them was, what's a character you wish you'd used more? 
Mm. And for me, that's Dougal. Uh, I think there's a lot of missed opportunity for a great um, recurring villain in Dougal as, you know, the, the guy who like always ends up, you know, as the henchman for the next shady organization Jason comes across. He ends up hitting Jason with a shovel and then having to do a runner as the whole thing falls apart. Like, I, I would oh, yeah. love to have him just sort of progressing through the books, except, you know, he did a runner in the first book and then um, he shows up again in two or three and dies in pretty unfortunate circumstances. So. Well, one of the funny things that does happen sometimes is that um, in series, is not just yours, but where you make a voice and in some ways you, you might choose it based on who they're going to be talking to a lot in, in the text that you have, you know, for differentiating things. Mm-hmm. And then like three books later, those two people who you gave a very similar voice to, if not, if not, if not almost identical, decide to like hang out for like 15 chapters uh, and just laboriously explain things to one another. And you're like, ah, damn it. Like, like the deep, intricate, like mysteries of the universe. Where, where you were like, like Bunny voice. where you were like, I gave him, you know, I gave him this voice because just the most banal, not banal, but you know, as in this person had a had a higher tone and like a looser. So I gave this one like a a, a lower voice and a, and a more kind of rigid, just to differentiate because this is them, you know, talking and it fits in with the character, obviously. Uh, and then yeah, suddenly they're just like on a they're going on a road trip for an entire book. <laughs> You're like, damn oh, it, yeah. should have made it more different. I want to do a whole sequence of chapters of Taika roaming around New Zealand, talking to other New Zealanders. See how I can get you to say the word choice. Nice. Yeah. No. No one else is allowed to say bro. That's uh, isn't that? I, I think I'm putting that in my contract from now on with Podium. No one else is allowed Heath. to say bro. Heath, I think I think we I think we owe Travis at least one little short Taika impression. Oh, uh, Taika. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he knows what Tyke is. Uh, uh, I don't know what, what like. Oh, are you drinking something, bro? Did you bring a beverage? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> See, um, Tyke is actually one of the few characters who is sort of vocally quite um, specifically described in um, in the series, and so yeah, that's. I think that's actually the first time I've heard you do it and spot on. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I read that and I was like, as in, yeah, when, when uh, they were introduced, I thought, oh yeah, I, I think I know what, 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 what we're going so for happy. here. I was yeah. so happy as a reader when I was like, oh, that guy's coming back. Oh yeah. He's cool. Like he's just like this, yeah. this bouncer. This everybody, club. everybody, everybody loves Taika. I mean, yeah. there's a handful of characters who people love, like the familiars, um, mm. people love like people love Stash. People love Onslow. Um, Clive is very popular. Tyke is hugely popular, but the most popular character. Like if I actually did a popularity poll, there is no question uh, that the winner would be Clive's wife. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Clive's wife is. You know that like that that time when they yeah that was this man like so cool. You showed me like the the, the notes and it's just. He never gets to um, narrate. Yeah. Um, I've got an extensive biography. Born in Mornington Crescent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a, that's, that's uh, a serious deep cut in joke for some people out there. <laughs> I, okay, so bringing this really like, like a little bit more on track, Heath, um, 
Tess Arendelle actually asked the question. Did I do your thing, and, though? Did uh, I satisfy your need for us to dance like monkeys for, for your amusement? <laughs> That's a little hurtful. <laughs> like marionettes? That's a little hurtful. <laughs> oh, no, we made it sad. Look I, at his face. I phrased it antagonistically, but I meant it sincerely. Like... <laughs> Sincerely, I think, holistically. Great. Thank you. That really helps. Excellent. Sorry to interrupt your question or Tess's question. Sorry, Tess. No, it's fine. What, what, <laughs> what, was, what was Tess's question? Oh, I think we were thinking we're at the end of the podcast. Oh, now. Very <laughs> full stop. Excellent. All right. I'm out. Full stop, Travis. I'm out. <laughs> no. Okay. So Tess's question was, um, I should ask you um, where you had to stretch yourself to the most as a narrator in the book. What was new, challenging, or technically difficult? I always give genuine answers, and and I have to pause while I I give the uh, the glib answer in my in my mind. Do you do this, Travis? Yeah. Like ah, it's all a fucking piece of piss. I don't have to stretch. <laughs> Barely have to wake up. Like that's what I say in my head, and then I have to come up with an actual reasonable answer. <laughs> You're so far ahead of me. <laughs> he just wakes up and knocks it out. It's like now nah, I'm phoning this shit in. Hell. <laughs> Look sick. I actually read out over the phone to the publisher. <laughs> I'm just not, not getting out of bed and get stuff. Uh, no, okay. Genuine answer to the question. Um, I would say uh, so. It's the longest series I've done because, like, I'm a newer uh, narrator. So, um, uh, probably the number one I think of is just in terms of the number of characters, and also uh, Travis, uh, if that is your name. Uh, you, you have a lot of characters. Like, like I do other series that have like a far reduced, you know, cast. Like, uh, you, no. you know, you bring new people in all the time. You bring returning people. Like, so I would say probably the genuine answer to that question is just the uh, the number of characters. Like, uh, you know, across yeah. and you know, and of course, this is. I mean, I'm allowed to spoil this. Surely, you know, two different worlds as well. So, like, we had, you know, we kind of had a whole. The one I always think of, Travis, is the um, the strike team. Where you like you introduced this entire uh, like team, and I gave them all quite spe- like I-, I will say quite specific and thought out uh, voices, and then they never <laughs> reappeared. <laughs> yeah, the guy with a minigun. It was so like, good. And, and there was there was a lot of them. I don't know how many, but I want to say there was like eleven people in that team. I think it was nine because um. I actually did some research on how sort of military squads were put together because uh, uh, my uh, assistant's brother was uh, an army guy. <clears throat> so I actually talked for him for a while about how they structured this. And obviously there are adaptations because it wasn't an actual military. It was a magical power paramilitary yep. force. But, um, but that squad is structurally uh, put together in quite, specific way well, I felt, and, I, felt um, that. I clearly felt yeah. that so I and gave it the time it needed yeah. and, and that's the thing like I if I'm gonna have characters that matter like I like to have them down when they come in because even if it's not um, until like uh, seven books later spoilers um, <laughs> you know ca- characters will show up again and if I've just sort of shortchange them and the only thing about I know about them is they own a tavern, um, then um, all I'm going to have is generic tavern owner from the first adventure of every D&D campaign ever. 
Yeah. I just it's it, it's memorable to me because I remember that scene like very well. Whereas I I may not necessarily like you know here sitting here now remember other scenes, but I remember it because it was a lot of work in terms of you know like it, it, it getting yeah like I remember it because I was like all right here we go this is this team and I've you know got to differentiate them out and there's dialogue you know banter and everything between them and and so uh, uh, yeah probably yes, I remember, I, I remember um, us chatting I know this was probably so somewhere around book three. And you're you know, telling you're telling me about you know how Neil was like henchman number two, and then all of a sudden he's you know a major character, and you say you have so many characters, and I know book four is coming, and I'm going to change almost the entire cast, and I'm like, uh oh. The thing is, sometimes you if if you know, I I no longer if it's a series, I no longer give someone a voice if, that I think is like either unsustainable or ridiculous. Because yeah. uh, if it's a single book, I would do it. Like if it's a single book and there, there's a character who has a couple of lines, I could give them like a really, uh, for want of a better word, like uh, unsustainable or wacky kind of you know voice. Yeah. If I think it works for that character, but like I don't do it for series now because you never know like who's going to come back. So like, uh, yeah, yeah, because like you know the the comic relief from book two. All of a sudden, it's book nine, and 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 they've you know gone through all this tragic, horrific events, and now they have to watch right. like this the whole time. That's right. I really wish I didn't give them this voice. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they uh, are dead. I watched them bleed out slowly from behind and penetrate glass. I just watched them beg for their lives. See, that's and then you end on. <laughs> That's great, though. I, I enjoy that. I think, was there, was there a character called Fingy or Fingers in that squad or something like that? I, I, I feel like there was someone who I did give one of the more uh, kind of like uh, uh, affected voices to because I was like, I don't think they're going to come back. Now I tell you this, you'll be like, well, I'm writing him in as the main character in, in uh, Book 13. And that's fine. But uh, it's always fun when you're like, uh, is this character going to come back again later? Maybe. Yeah. I have I have a question about you know returning characters and coming back. Completely bad mm -hmm. segue, but um, one of the like one question that got asked quite a lot actually, and we haven't really talked about all, all that much other than you don't mind it, shirt, and that is um, fan fiction. And someone asked um, yeah. shirt, there seem to be a number of fan fiction based on your system. How many have you seen slash read in, and have you ever considered giving them some encouragement or authenticity? That's by Zenodan. Um. I haven't read any. I, I know that some are out there. Like I have a fan content channel on Discord and I know that some people have done some stuff on Royal Road. Um, <clears throat> I haven't gone seeking it out. Like I have enough trouble um, finding time to do, you know, reading stuff like, um, <sighs> like I just read Warformed. Mm, yeah. Two. Um, that panel I was on with Travis Baldry actually had Luke and uh, Bryce on there. Uh, and they're great guys, but um, uh, but finding time for you know sort of, and th that's the good thing about not having a lot of time. Like, because I do try to keep up with you know the other sort of big lit RPG guys because it's it's worth um, being aware of the ecosystem when you're, which I operate. Um, but finding time for that is hard enough without going and you know um, reading fan fiction. And I think it'd be a very odd sort of experience because mm. um, I mean some of it would be 
wow, that's interesting. That's not something I never, uh, I never thought of. And then some of it would probably be, well, that's not something I ever thought of. And, and, and kind of worried that it's out there now. Like I definitely wouldn't do that with um, a priest and a jar of mayonnaise, but sure. Um, Speaking of which, by the way, because there's a follow-up question to this one. Oh, sorry, um, I, I would just like, before you get off fan fiction, though, I would like to um, just say that I am very sort of pro-fan fiction. Um, like a lot of people contact me and they'll ask, you know, you know, do you mind if I do a fan fiction or do you mind if I use something or other? And, um, you know, I try to be very encouraging of that because I know the fan fiction community is very big for all kinds of, you know, and it is fantastic to be in a point where people are doing fan fiction of my work. Um, that's very flattering. I have no problem with that uh, whatsoever. Um, so, you know, um, so why I don't give out, like, a lot of specific encouragement, um, I, I guess I will now. Go for it. <laughs> And that brings me to the next question because um, someone asked, and I'm very interested in the answer, the answer to this. Um, how many Humphreys slash Jason fanfiction have you been sent? And will we ever <laughs> get the Humphreys big engine supercut? <laughs> yeah, see, I, I always, um, I was always more interested in like a Humphrey Jason Clive fanfiction called Jump and Jive. Oh. Yeah, I, I think I think I know a narrator for that one. <laughs> yeah, I believe um, that particular one would require he to use one of his pseudonyms. <laughs> no, um, um, you know, there's this this guy, um, uh, Nathaniel Black. He might be good for it. I've heard his work. I think he's tremendous. Yeah, I, th I think <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, well, I'll be <laughs> Yeah, he's a, he's a really good punctuation, Travis. You should really listen to him. Um, anyway, mm. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, actually, going back to like a little bit more serious, and I know it's a bit maybe a bit of a weird segue. So this actually interests me, and this is by Griffin, cute emoji face. Um, how would magic slash ranking up affect a trans person differently than from anyone else? Uh, yeah, as a, as a trans person themselves, uh, mm -hmm. it's been a question. They've been thinking about for a long time. Yeah, in um, it is something I do intend to specifically address. Mm. Sort of um, uh, next time I go back to Earth, because it's um, like I do have a trans character, mm. but um, I don't think they're sort of highly reflective of trans people in the world because they're like a, a diamond ranker who can sort of. Mm. Um, shift gender as they need. So they're less trans and more non-binary, just mm -hmm. taking that to, a, to a, a, another degree using magic. Whereas the specific concept of how ranking up um, affects trans people, I think I might have touched on this on the Discord a couple of years ago when I was asked, but it's not something I want to be glib about because for one thing, this is not my personal experience. So while I do want to address this specifically in a positive and supporting way, and uh, I do plan to do this next time the story sort of winds its way back to Earth because that'll let me explore it in, um, in a context that's sort of appropriate to it rather than me throwing out some weird magical crap that just makes everything quite messy. 
And and it's not like I want to sort of hound this down. I just want to, um, there, there are specific points about it I do want to address and I intend to. So I won't really talk about it here, uh, um, but I will say, you know, it is something I have put consideration into uh, and it's not something I take lightly and it is something I, yeah, I do intend to address. Um, That's awesome. But it's not like I'm hunting down opportunities to do so either. Mm-hmm. Like when I do something that's, you know, representative of whatever group, um, I'm not hunting for opportunities to be representative of groups that I don't belong to. I just like to put that in when it's a pr- when you know the situation's appropriate. Like um, like Rufus is a bisexual character, but that's not something that gets harped on at all. Um, to the point where like people have just straight up missed that he was bisexual, despite the fact that he had a fairly lengthy relationship with a man. Um, they just you know completely blanked on oh his friends leaving his bedroom in the morning that's fine. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like the whole um, Boston marriage thing. Yeah. They're such good friends. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, everything is said pretty cool. Mm. Yeah. I do think it's also, um, yeah, adding my two cents here, really good way to avoid tokenization. Because that's something I don't want to do. And that's always a danger when you're depicting people who sort mm. of aren't part of your tribe, is it one? Okay, so there's a question for both of you, actually, and it's um, been asked by Zecluded with a Z. Um, for both of you, what was the scene you wrote slash acted that hit you the hardest? Uh, when I was at university, so creative writing, I worked with a, um, a writer, and one of the things she said was, <clears throat> uh, if you can't make yourself cry, you're not going to make the readers cry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and and I've gotten a little teary writing certain scenes but i think i think probably my favorite uh, is i guess i'll contextualize this so jason has this arc where he goes back to earth and he sort of reaches this sort of um bottom as a character like the and then he goes back to the magical world and he's angry and he's violent. And that's sort of his tipping point where he can go either way. Like the book's called He Who Fights With Monsters from the Nietzsche quote. And that is kind of his absolute tipping point, whether he's going to, you know, not become a monster or slide into this horrible thing. And he's got people sort of pulling him back from the brink multiple times. Um, but he has this point, and I think it's the very end of book seven, where um, basically he's been avoiding sort of testing his friend's sort of trust in him because he's afraid that, you know, if, um, if like, they don't demonstrate the, the trust that he really needs someone to have him in, in him at that moment, then that's going to be it. He's basically going to be done. Um, but then it's like a total nothing burger. They're all, like, super on board, and there's just that little moment where he, like, hugs Neil, and I think... That, um, that's yeah, that's definitely my favorite ending to any of the books, and and one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, that, that's a oh. good. Um, for me, it's definitely the um, again without sort of spoiling things too much, uh, when uh, some people get a chance to say goodbye in a way that we can't do in the real world. That's definitely my favorite. Um, that's definitely my favorite scene in the in the series. 
Yeah, I, I, was, I was so certain you were going to say, Jason, talk about uh, trying to scam someone into buying um, an, an M4 or slave shops. So. I, I went I went with uh, the sincerity and, and the uh, the emotion rather than the <laughs> the yucks, mm. though, I, I, I you know. It's uh look it's it's a lot of it's a lot of books so there's a lot of there's a lot of great scenes uh but that that's definitely the one that stands out for me. Yeah that was important for me too at the moment yeah. Um but to bring back the glib cooking recipes you guys people have been demanding them. So well, I, the the question the combination question is when are we going to get a he who fights among us cookbook and is he is going to narrate it? It's it's you know, a, a cookbook is not an inconsequential endeavor. Real talk. Uh, yeah. And I think people assume that I'm a lot better cook than I am. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I would love to, to spend more time actually actively cooking. Um, but, um yeah, so so n nothing you know, specific on the horizon. Although people have even, even my publishers asked, like that'd be a good promo thing. It's like, do you have any concept of how much work that would be? Like, I like, like it would be fun to like team up with someone who actually really knows what they're doing in the kitchen, and then make a bunch of sort of themed, um, uh, uh like uh, themed dishes, and, and and do like a mini cookbook or something. That would be something fun to do, but it's also something I'm more inclined to do when I have more time to work on it. That being said, I am um, just making some nice, simple, like I, I do board game and barbecue Saturdays. Like my friends come around, we get out on the deck, we have bokeh, and I'm doing some like chorizo, halloumi, cherry tomato, shish kebabs that I'm quite looking forward to trying out. So, you know, so... so you know, I, I like to try stuff, you know, especially if it's like, you know, simple and easy enough. But uh, yeah, I'm not hard at work in the kitchen. I'm hard at work here in my office, um, you know, getting chapters out. Um, that being said, I, the one burning question I have, did your new gaming table receive the oohs and ahs that it <laughs> like? Okay, so my gaming, my new gaming table is lovely. Like it has a like a sunken floor that you can raise up and down with a crank. Ooh. Uh, but because it moves, because oh. it moves, like around the edge to stop stuff falling through, it's got like these little brush things, um, so it doesn't rub against the sides, but it also doesn't fall through. So something fell through immediately. <laughs> like the very first game we played. Uh, it was just like a little red cube. We had tons of them. So, you know, I, I didn't feel the need to try and, you know, disassemble the table to try and find it, thankfully. Uh, because, yeah, the, it sort of went on the brush thing. And instead of carefully putting it out, they're just like, I can grab that. Chunk. Oh, I think it push it through. Whoopsie. <laughs> well, okay. Well, there goes a the product. Uh, yeah, because... It's very nice. It's, um, it's apparently the same dimensions as the Colosseum. I don't know. I did not ask for that specifically, but uh, but I got a cut. Like, not... But I got a like a custom ring light thing made for um, for pool tables to scale, though, uh, right? Um, that's hanging from the ceiling. No, because the... both Heath and I heard you say it's got the same dimension as the Colosseum, and yeah. we were like, 
to scale. But like, yeah, we were like, your house is bigger yeah. than we thought. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, uh, the books do very well, but they don't do that well. You just, like, buy the entirety of some abandoned town in the outback and just build it where the football overwalks. Like, uh, what see okay. made out of, like, corrugated iron and balsa wins? Like, because I do, shut up. But no, it's 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 the same, you know, dimensions but scaled down. And I had a light made, like it was a pool table light to the top. It's sort of the the one part of my house where I went ridiculously extravagant. Um, if you were saying, because yeah, because when I was when I was like buying a house, I'm like, I'm going to get an enormous loan and buy, you know, get some sort of insane cocaine mansion. Um, except then I found this, you know, very sensible house. It's got lovely reviews, and I went, "Yeah, I could just have a nice, sensible house with uh, an outlandish game uh, games room in the basement." Yeah, <laughs> good choice. Priorities. Yeah, but like the Shirtland Cocaine Mansion also sounds like a place that I would visit. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I I feel as though in the tradition of throwing you out of the bus, uh, yeah. I have to ask you this one. Um, you know, I really like you, but I've got to do this. <laughs> oh dear and it's by awful crowded 117 and they ask i'd like to ask shirt why he hates jason so much poor dude cannot catch a break especially romantically who hurts you shirt (laughs) narrative structure hurt me you you gotta have conflict um i don't what i remember some writer saying you know what you need to do with your character is just pile on and pile on and pile on and then make them dig their way out. I don't know that I completely agree with that, but um, but there does have to be conflict to drive stakes. And, um, like, romance is not a large part of this story. Like, Jason's had relationships, he's fallen out of relationships, and um, this is not a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. I don't think it makes sense for you know, all the, the romantic scenes to be happening while, like, they're ducked behind a wall and um, ethnic stereotypes are shooting at them. And You're talking you know, about the messengers, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of, like, actual romantic relationships, that's something I never delved in to super hard. Um, I'm quite happy with how I've handled them. I Ask any writer, they'll say any given part of their book generally could have been improved. Um, but, like, I was quite happy with, say, Cassandra Mercer's relationship with Jason. It's, like, sort of his first one in the book, the way it starts, the way it ends. Like, um, a lot of people said it just kind of came out of nowhere where they meet, they have some social interactions, and then there's sort of, like, snap. I sort of skipped the, the relationship probably starting and just sort of jumping to them, you know, waking up together one morning and then the way the relationship ended, I think um, because it's not a focus of the book, um, I'm pretty happy being relatively hands-off with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I try to have the relationships feel real, even though I'm not delving into them super deep. Like the the one big relationship um, that sustained um, is like sort of Sophie and Humphrey. Yeah. Um, and I do want to um, touch into 
other relationships that are happening, but I also want to, you know, I want to keep them real because there are, there are issues to do with the relationships. Like um, marriage is hard. Yeah. Like I'm assuming I've never actually had one. Heath, how's the marriage going? Uh, marriage is hard. Yeah, I, I would. I would. I think yeah, that's a, I think that's it's, a it's, universal. It's, it's something. It's something. I mean, relationships, but prolonged relationships yeah, in general. Relationships, I mean, just look. Look at Clive and his wife. Right. So change over time. So, like maintaining like a really strong like 50, 60, 70 year relationship, which is really as long as people realistically go before the clammy hands of death drag them underneath. And then you extend that to people who live 100, 200, 300 forever. Um, That's going to change relationship dynamics. And that's something, again, I don't want to explore too deeply because that's not sort of the focus of the book, but it is something I want to touch on as characters um, start looking down the barrel of the next centuries, two centuries. And that's sort of the relationship part. The other part of it is, uh, yeah, if you're just going to hammer on on your main character, I think you have to, to a degree. I, I, I guess you don't have to. Like, especially in Lit RPG, there is a very large audience for the OPMC, mm-hmm. um, the old main character who just, steamrolls every challenge and every time something is like oh how are you going to overcome that oh well actually last chapter i just picked up a thing uh, (laughs) which worked out very nicely for me again um so sweet um and and if if that's what people want if people want that power fantasy excellent Mm. that's great there are stories out there for them um I want that challenge, but it's not just a matter of challenge of this is a CR seven encounter for a CR for for a level seven protagonist. Like it's not just about power for me. Um, it's you know the character growth and the the emotional challenges mm. are what really matters. Like with fights, I wait, wait, wait. try not sure. to belabor that too much. Um, mm. For me a fight is more about the outcome, what it means to the character, what it means for, you know, the plot. Um, and so, yeah, so those are the challenges that I try to give to a character. I have actually two questions regarding to that. And um, that is by Screep1. Uh, and they say, could you ask Shirt where he sees the future of West and Web Levels heading? Um, I have heard another author say that the West is five years behind, behind Japan and Korea. But it would be interesting for sure to hear his perspective. And I would also like for Heath to maybe also like weigh in on that first a little bit. Oh, Trent. no idea. <laughs> Thank you. <That's>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's not my gig. I mean, writing them is obviously, but uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I feel no. He came into you came into this because Podium said, "Hey, do you want to voice a little PG?" And you're like, "Uh, better find out what that is." Yeah, as I said on on, on <laughs> your podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, and now I've I've read both for pleasure and you know narrated them, and so I have. But it's such a mine's such a specific, you know, kind of from the ones I've done and the ones I've looked into that I don't feel like I I have any uh any anything helpful to say on that. But that works out because I have to go anyway. So uh, I gotta I gotta get a boat. Yeah. So I gotta disappear anyway. So I'm like, don't know. I'm off. <laughs> well that's that's and i'll that's leave so it to okay. the writer to answer it was a blast though bye okay. good talking to you travis Heath, Heath, wait 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 thank yeah. you so much for being here and uh please uh, please uh let my family go um <laughs>
<laughs> uh, yeah, good to see you again, hey. Yeah, nice talking to you both. Bye. Bye. Okay, so the history. Now we can talk trash about Heath. <laughs> Heath is a great guy. He's I, amazing. I, I really think um, he's he's leaving money on the table by not doing, by building his entire career around the children's television show. He was in, in the 90s. But if that's the way he wants to go, then that's the way he I agree. Have you seen his goodbye wave? <laughs> oh, yes, I have. Yes, the, um, uh, yes, the, the, the children's television. Hey, exactly. Yeah. He does it so well. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. he's, he's a pro. But um, so the question was about the future of um, Western versus uh, Eastern Lit RPG. And I think I keep getting bleeps. People are messaging me on Discord. Um, yeah, that, that, that's me and Heath. <laughs> oh, that's you. Oh, right. Well, what have you got to say? He said, sorry, fairy dog weed was a pleasure. <laughs> Exclamation point. Yeah, well, that's because he lives on like an iceberg off the coast of Maine. <laughs> I have actually seen pictures of it in the winter and it's all covered in snow and it's absolutely gorgeous. But, but if we're talking about sort of the progress from where it was, because a lot of lit RPG came out of um, like those sort of East Asian uh, markets where they originated, the J Japan, um, especially uh Web, uh, web serials um, from China. Um, like China was sort of the home of the web serial, and but a lot of the genre conventions uh, came out of sort of Japan and their light novels. And people loved those translations. I was one of those, you know, people. Like I, I actually came up, my first sort of real delve into lit RPG was a Korean one called uh, Legendary Moonlight Sculptor. Um, oh, you you, and, you know that um, Royal you know Road that, uh, exactly yes yeah Royal, Royal Road was um, sort of sort of originally named after that I, mm. I believe when they called it Royal Road Legends but mm. um but they were like massively a huge influence um mm. and and a lot of different genres there's lit RPG there's cultivation um or, or um but they're all sort of tend to roll under that progressive. A progression fantasy mm -hmm. um, banner, and uh, I like—I don't know that I agree with the idea of uh, the Western audience, the market being sort of five years behind. Like, there's a degree of that where, um, yeah, there are sort of innovations and new elements that are brought in, like Isekai one, and they're being brought in in those Asian markets and those Asian area. Um, authors and then filtering through to us that's always been a factor like the whole genres have come from that but i also think we're now well into the stage where um it's not just a follow the leader situation we're at a point where we're now getting the western interpretations of these um, ideas and they're going in different directions um, so, like, a lot of my work was a specific response to a lot of what I read, like, from Chinese web serials, that sort of stuff, because the ideas excited me, but I also wanted to take it in ways that, 
maybe aren't exact paths that haven't been trodden um, as much. So Zogar said on your podcast uh, and many other places actually that he considers my story to be straight up cultivation. Um, and yeah, and there is a lot of validity to that. There is a lot of cultivation that bones, but I don't consider it cultivation because cultivation has a whole bunch of other specific tropes around Taoism mm. and um, sort of elements of the Wuxia and Zanzia stuff. Look at Beware of Chicken. Um, mm. Everyone loves Beware of Chicken because it's amazing. Here's the thing. I went back and reread one and two, right? Mm. And then I got stuck in a situation that happens to my readers every time I release a book which is the chapters come down from Royal Road like a little bit before the new book comes out. So I wanted to catch up, except I got stuck in that window where they're not currently anywhere. And that happens to my readers all the time. I get messages like, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I know it sucks. And now it's happened to me. And I can't help it's but like think that's 100% fair. I deserve it. <laughs> but, Do you, um, I mean, but, but where is the, the spin-off one? Sorry. The, uh, the the one, yeah, because they, they had that thing at the start where it was like, oh, I was going to send into the one that was full of women. And they yeah. uh, started that spinoff. But, but the thing is, like, that's a cultivation novel. Like, yeah. Beware of Chicken is explicitly a cultivation novel. Sex, clans, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, both sort of narratively and within the text like literally running in the opposite direction from everything that you think of when you think cultivation novel. Like the guy literally just goes to the cultivation archetype and says, "Uh, no, fuck this shit, I'm out. And then he just like, you know, spends three months on foot making sure no one can follow him. Like this whole about they they need to go find the guy. And it's like, what the hell did he do? (laughs) And like uh, I, everything, I, I, I love Beware of Chicken. It is, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It may be the best thing on Royal Road. Um, it's hilarious. Uh, um, I would very much, uh, me and the super supportive crew would very much like to have a word with you, sir. <laughs> that's that's actually one I haven't read yet. That's sort of that's on my list. That's quite high on my list, in fact. Um, I haven't crashed into it, mm. <laughs> and 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 you're on board, but but that's but that's the great thing about this um it's not gatekeeping like every time someone new and amazing shows up like it elevates everything like a new royal road story is just good for royal road you know a new great lit rpg is great for all the lit rpg like i get so many messages from people who said you know your story got me into lit rpg and you know, now I'm in love with this amazing genre. And and that is, yeah, and that is uh, fantastic. It's, um, you know, it, it's really the tide racing all ships. Yeah. Um, but to get back to our original point, um, I'll just say that um, I don't think we're sort of trailing just um, behind what, is coming out of Japan and China and Korea and wherever else these days. Um, I think we are now set on our own course. And that is great because more diversity within these genres is excellent. And we should have our own cultural spin on it. Like there are some Australian lit RPG authors 
writing some very Australian stuff and there's Americans writing American stuff and, you know, British people are in British stuff, just like there's, you know, Chinese, Korean, uh, Japanese people writing things um, specific to their culture. And uh, like the Russians were on to lit RPG long before uh, us English speakers. I got a uh, Russian friend, shout out to Anton. Um, he, uh, he recently talked to me about it and I knew from a work context. And mm. I said, I do a little podcast. And he said, like, wow, cool. What, what, what is a little RPG? He's like, oh, what, really? I read them all the time, all in Russian. I'm like, oh, wow, really? That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, cool. no, but yeah. Mm. yeah, it was huge in Russia before it, um, mm. it hit English. But it's great that um, all these people are bringing their own culture and perspective and spin because that just means there's more interesting things to read. It's like in mainstream fantasy, the self-publishing boom really helped to diversify uh, yes. fantasies. Because for so long, it was all very European, very sort of um, inspired by Tolkien. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like there are so many fantastic books, but diversity is fantastic. Like, because mm. it just gives us new stories, new perspectives. Because like people talk about diversity as like, you know, filling quotas and all that stuff. But yeah. no, it, it gives us new different voices telling new different stories. And I and that you wouldn't get anywhere else. Yeah, can't get enough of it. Cannot get enough. Yeah. I mean, like just to think of, thinking about it, this is a very stupid example, and please don't stone me for this, but like Australia and New Zealand, I I think it was Ben Ben Carey who said that like you have a very, very interesting take on the whole lit RPG genre. And like, I don't think that just a while ago, um, Australian like lit RPG would have blown up anywhere near yeah. as much as it, does, as it, as it did. Hmm? Um, yeah, yeah, no, sure. yeah, there are some great writers from here who, right. ironically, I've only ever met in Atlanta. <laughs> As you do. I've been up there for DragonCon. Like, you know, there were people I'd talk to online and stuff. It was, yeah. But it was really great to actually meet people in person. Yeah, KT Hanna is... Um, oh. she does, she, yeah, KT Hanna, she does the um, the Australian version of the System Apocalypse books. And she uh, recently also re-released the Librarian series. Over yeah, here. she's quite prolific and um, foul-mouthed. <laughs> Um, as oh yeah, she's she's proper Australian, despite the fact that she lives in Kansas now. <laughs> um, well, apparently, remote rural areas are just yeah. Well, okay, you know, um, you've got nothing else to do. Finally, so might as well sit down and write that book. I, f- I feel as though we have answered a lot of questions. Your Discord yep. is popping off, so I think this is the end of the of the podcast for this point. That's good. Um, all my ice is melted in my drink. Oh, that's terrible, man. Just it, it is better frosty cold. I love I love ice cold milk. And this one is ice cold milk with a bunch of alcohol in it. So. I, I recommend these like little steel cubes that don't melt, like the one they use in cognac, because it doesn't water down the milk. Okay. That's cool. Um right. So while we're going completely off topic. Uh, mm-hmm. This won't be a regular crit RPG. This will be a well. I'm just doing it for you guys, basically. So oh, a special promo one because I got a book coming out and I can plug things shamelessly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm now going to completely unprofessionally plug my book. Well, you know, I, mean, I suppose it's technically 
we're day drinking. It's like quarter to four in the morning. Four o'clock somewhere. Okay, so he who fights with monsters, book ten coming out. If you've read the first nine, then you're probably going to give the tenth a go, unless the ninth book pissed you off somehow. Um, so if, if it did, sorry. You know, try again. Book ten's probably great. There's actually a giveaway going right now. My audio publisher has actually made a little packet of collector cards. Um, it's got art for like all the main characters on it, like you know Jason and his team, plus you know Gary, Farrah, Rufus, Dawn. I'll get a little thing, and they get like uh, I did a whole bunch of little bits, like an excerpt from an Adventure Society report on Jason's card. I think there's ten of them, and they come in a little uh, foil pack. You can win them. It is US only, so I can't actually win them myself. <laughs> But, um, yes, people seem to quite like the look of them, so I've been harassing my publisher about, you know, getting them on the merch store or something. Cool. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But right now there's a competition for people in the U.S. to get the collected cards. It's on um, Podium, my audio publisher's website. Um, there's a link on my Patreon um, that's not locked behind a paywall or anything. You don't need a membership. You can just go find the thing I I also um, put it down here. Um, yeah, I'll, like, I'll give you a link so people can just click on it. So you can put it up with the thing if you're uh, amenable to doing that. And, God, I'm still so bad at plugging things. I'm absolutely shocking at this. Travis? Um, yeah. You are a great writer, and your book deserves <laughs> attention. Do it for the fans. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty much me. I will... Um, write books and muddle through plugging them inexpertly. So, yeah, book 10. Give it a look if you've read the first nine. Um, I mean, you can start with book 10, but really don't. Yeah. It's, you're you're going to miss out on nine very good books. Yeah, if you're looking for um, a decent amount of time for your Audible credit, then, yeah, some of those books will give you a, a solid um, 30 hours of the... Um, lusciously voiced Heath Mill. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. That's how they, how they got me. So, yeah, again, do mm. go out and uh, P.U. Fights and Monsters book 10 is going to be out either today or tomorrow, depending on where you live when you're listening to this podcast. Is it, what day is this podcast coming out? It is going, going to come out the day before that. Oh, the, okay. the thing so is going to be the, the 20, So the book comes out on the 28th. 28th. Different 28th. So I, guess, I guess it'll be coming out, the podcast will be going out on the 27th. Yes. Uh, exactly. Should, should be a Monday. Books come out on Tuesdays, right? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Ten, ten, 10 books. I'm so well versed in how this industry works. It's only 10, man. Like, at the 20th, I would be like, sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be doing this. And, oh, God, that's fucking. No, that's what we defined. But now it's time to find my plug. Um, yes. Thank you so much, everyone. This has been the Crit RPG podcast, uh, special edition for the 10th release of He Who Fights with Monsters. If you enjoyed this podcast and didn't get sick of my really weird laughter and German accent, there's more of the stuff down below. Just I love you, Jim. Go ahead. So thank you so much. That is very oh, nice of you to see. Although, although that goddamn kazoo thing had to die. 
<laughs> yeah. So, and if you want to spend 666 euros oh, to no. reinsert the to reinsert the kazoo ad into every single podcast, even on Patreon, just oh. to piss shirt off, please do. No, please don't. <laughs> okay, okay I don't know how it was in Australia hey. to you. Yes, of course. Wave. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. I hope I'm making you proud, Heath. Oh, Bye, guys. Now I'm remembering. And I'm going to Yeah, I'm remembering the 90s Ninja Turtles series.